This is One North Stories. Our goal here is quite simple. We provide hyper-local, brand-based storytelling at the intersection of science, technology, and business here in Singapore with a global perspective. We are starting with a launch series focused on technology startups and then plan to take the podcast broader, telling our stories, your stories, about the Singapore deep tech ecosystem. Whether you work as a venture capitalist on Sand Hill Road or in Southeast Asia, already doing R&D in Singapore, or perhaps a student dreaming big about technology, or someone in between. Join us to learn about the exciting technology being developed in our labs in Singapore, their translation journeys to market, and the inspirational people coming together to make yesterday's dream reality. If you have future episode ideas, segment ideas, or want to partner with us on this exciting journey, please get in touch. Our contact details are in the show notes. These are our stories. We hope they inspire you to create your own. And now, on to the show. Let's try to solve a problem that can be solved and that can impact a lot of lives. So, I went to WHO site Mm -hmm. and I checked what are the problems in the world. And the number one cause of disability was Mm -hmm. brain hemorrhages. And I thought, how can this be solved? And what is the exact problem? And our Mm -hmm. first product, our flagship product is Cerebo, which is a point of care intracranial bleed detector Mm -hmm. for early detection of Mm -hmm. brain injuries. So Cerebo is uh, basically it uses light. The light can penetrate skull Mm -hmm. to detect bleed. And it's a non-invasive device. There's a beautiful physical phenomena which happens where our light gets reflected. Mm -hmm. And what we see at the end, we analyze those signals through Mm -hmm. a proprietary algorithm. And that's Mm -hmm. how we know that those signals basically Mm -hmm. differ in presence of bleed or Mm -hmm. in absence of bleed. This is a base technology that we have developed and we are going to extend the applications with it to stroke and to tumors as well. We leveraging a lot on like 3D print, AIs and biomechanic design. We have what we call like our patented polar structure, which is like our main recipe that can be integrated into different kind of medical devices. It will give you like the strength that's just suitable for the bone, but as well as give you like the, the area for the bone to, to grow into. But I mean, once you started the company, like you make the device, like one device, two device, that's good. And then the question comes, how you scale it into 100, how you scale it to 1,000. And I think that's when the software side come into play. So I think just later this year, we start having the division on like how we use the AI to accelerate the planning process or the device design. And recently, he screened and found two small molecules that can significantly inhibit um, metastasis. And at the same time, also uh, can promote immune uh, response. That means it can also combine the therapy with immunotherapy and actually chemotherapy as well. And when I yeah, look at my husband's experiments and find his result, I feel it's good time and it's really a project that with great potential to, to commercialize. So I step in and we form this company all together. And since then, yeah, we are in the drug development process. Fundamentally, what Pending AI is doing is applying advanced technologies, predominantly artificial intelligence and quantum mechanics, 
to the drug design and development value chain. Artificial intelligence is very, uh, very data driven, very, uh, you know, very exploratory. You know, it's, it's all about being able to explore as many different options for your particular problem to be solved as possible. Whereas quantum mechanics, you know, is actually typically the inverse of that. It's much more detailed. It's like where you're really getting into the nitty gritty um, of your particular problem uh, that you're looking to, to, to solve. We apply these two technologies at distinct phases of the drug development cycle where exploring chemical space is a positive thing because you want to be able to design and discover new drugs. But then in the quantum space, for example, we apply it to protein structures where you really want the highest quality possible when it comes to your protein structure that you're looking to develop a drug against. Hello and welcome to One North Stories. Today's episode continues sharing conversations we had at Hello Tomorrow Asia Pacific Summit 2023. The theme today is biotech. First, we have Shilpa from Bioscan Research. She shares about looking for problem statements on the WHO website, deciding that rapid detection of brain hemorrhages was worth doing, given its high ranking in causing long-term disability, and then looking for solutions and developing technology to detect such hemorrhages deep in the brain and other tissues. Second, we have Pacherapet from Osseolabs, he shares about developing technology for 3D printed medical implants. First, the titanium implants themselves, and then leveraging AI to scale the possibility of mass deployment. Third, we have Chingru from 6J Biotechnologies in Hong Kong. She shares about spotting a business opportunity from her husband's research, and then deciding to co-found a drug discovery startup with an initial focus on two small molecules. Last, we have David from Pending AI. He wasn't there as a Hello Tomorrow finalist, but is a super interesting company. They are applying AI and quantum to create a drug discovery platform, leveraging AI for its wide space discovery and exploration, and quantum for when you want specificity. Enjoy the conversations. So we're here today with Shilpa from Bioscan Research, where they do point of care detection for traumatic uh, brain injuries. So Shilpa, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what your company does. Yeah, thank you. And first of all, I am very glad to be here at Hello Tomorrow Asia Pacific. So I am Shilpa Malik and I'm the founder CTO of Bioscan Research. We have a vision to eradicate a preventable brain damage that occurs during brain injury, stroke or tumors. And our mm -hmm. first product, our flagship product is Cerebo, which is a point of care intracranial bleed detector. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, for early detection of mm -hmm. brain injuries. Wow. So tell us a little bit of how Cerebo works, the technology behind it. Yeah. yeah. So Cerebo is uh, basically it uses light the light can penetrate skull mm -hmm. to detect bleed. And we, it's a non-invasive device. So basically the light travels through the brain and the, this light finally reaches the brain. So there's a, there's a beautiful physical phenomena which happens where our light gets reflected mm -hmm. and what we see at the end, we analyze those signals through mm -hmm. a proprietary algorithm. And that's mm -hmm. how we know that those signals basically mm -hmm. differ in mm -hmm. presence of bleed or mm -hmm. in absence of bleed. See, that's really great. So how does that product look like? 
so it's the size of your hair dryer mm-hmm. and you just have to place that uh, on the head mm-hmm. and within 5 seconds it just completes the scan so just press mm-hmm. a button and it knows like it finishes the scan within 5 seconds that's fantastic so if i was holding that product like what am i going to look at like is it a screen that tells me like what the results are yeah so there is like a screen on the device itself mm-hmm. which basically gives green or red color so green mm-hmm. indicates like no abnormality mm-hmm. and red, red indicates mm-hmm. basically it's for it's a screening device so red mm-hmm. indicates that you have to now refer the person to a neuro specialist or for further analysis right gotcha yeah. so where is it being deployed right now like your target market Yeah so this device is for so the potential beneficiaries or where you know it would really impact lives mm-hmm. is at first response sites like mm-hmm. trauma centers ambulances and also in injury prone sites like defense impact mm-hmm. sport and also where you know ct scanners are not available like rural or remote sites mm-hmm. So currently our device is in India mm-hmm. and it's deployed in primary health center community health centers and also in defense Wow, that's amazing. It sounds like you have like a really broad market and like you've sold a lot of that product. Um, do you have any like upcoming products and how you're planning to expand on your technology? Sure. This is a base technology that we have developed and we are going to, you know, um, extend the applications with it to stroke and to tumors as well. I see. So are you going to like develop, like adapt your optimizer product or create like a brand new optimize no the product mm-hmm. so as i said we have the baseline technology where we have developed a mechanism to penetrate deep tissues with light mm-hmm. so till now you know people were able to penetrate in millimeters but we are able to penetrate in centimeters wow. and that is why we are able to you know go up to 3 to 4 centimeter to even measure like hemorrhages in brain itself the brain tissue i see so i'm going to shift the direction and ask like how did you get into this how is your background you know influence you yeah sure so basically i uh, i started my career as a scientist in uh, defense r&d i used to work on radar systems and then in program management teams so i got my initial exposure to technology from there and then i worked uh, in data science roles so that's where i learned the power of uh, you know technology and data together to create something Uh, the motivation actually is uh, you know when i reached a certain stage i could continue to work on what i was doing and keep earning and living a good life but i thought that there is something more i can do with my life and that's why i thought that let's let's try to solve a problem that can be solved and that can impact a lot of lives so i went to who site mm-hmm. and i checked what are the problems in the world Wow. <laughs> and the number one cause of disability was mm-hmm. brain hemorrhages. And I thought how can this be solved? And what is the exact problem? So I went around to speak to like you know you won't believe that I just took appointments randomly mm-hmm. with doctors and I wow, went around really and I spoke to them and I said what is it? Why is mm-hmm. it not solved? And that's how through you know first there is a lot of search on the internet you can do but when it you hear it from the user then you know this is a problem so i came to know that if the problem is detected early the, the brain uh, damage can be undone mm-hmm. only if it is detected late the brain is permanently damaged so i got my problem 
that we have to detect the brain damage at an early stage at which mm. it can fully go back to normal and that's what we are trying to do with this device wow that's really cool so like you spoke to people you found out what the pain point is and what was like the very first step that you took you know to get to this product and you know the stage that you're at so once we identified the problem we also identified if there is any potential technology what it should do like mm. the i should say specifications mm -hmm. and then we looked at different technologies mm -hmm. so you know we also thought about making a small ct scanner and then using ultrasound but finally we zeroed it down on optics or near infrared light because that has the capability to penetrate mm. the problem was it was not penetrating deep enough in the current scenario so our whole focus came to how it can do that and the whole so the next journey was about making uh, nir light penetrate deeper into the brain tissue well it's really cool like you've come so far from like figuring out what the problem was and then taking those like important you know first few steps how do you see the next like 5 10 years looking like for bioscan So I have some amazing partnerships around the world today. So I think the kind of team that I built for Cerebo, I have like 3x capability today. And you know, my partners are from US, from you know, Europe, and I have a great team in India. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to look for more partners <laughs> also. Yeah. And I think I I had like uh I connected with a great biomedical team in Singapore as well. So I'm looking at like collaborating and developing some probably I I don't know if I can divulge so much information but it's under like work okay. but there are like two more great products that we are working at and which is in, in like non-invasive diagnostic space itself. Yeah that sounds really fantastic. Like is there anything else you want to share with us? So I think one of the things I have recently discovered about Singapore mm -hmm. is actually the capability first of all and also I feel that there is lot oh like a lot of openness now to work in collaborative projects so I am actually here to explore mm -hmm. that also Singapore has this amazing culture of mm -hmm. supporting you know early stage technologies some of my friends have moved here recently so we are also looking at you know if if we could make uh, Singapore mm -hmm. as our base wow okay that's cool we're definitely excited to have you Um thank you so much for sharing your really great and amazing story with us. Thank uh, you. Really thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Thank you Shopa. Hi, we are here with Pepper Ratchet from um Osseo Labs. Welcome to Singapore. Welcome to Hello Tomorrow and welcome thank to you. one of our stories. Can you start telling us a little bit about Osseo Labs? Oh, for sure. Yes. So so let me just introduce myself yes, just please. a little more. So my name is Pacharapit Probatham. So currently I am faculty member in Thailand, one of the like Engineering school in Thailand, but I'm also CTO and co-founder of Osseo Labs. So I think at Osseo Labs we try to bring like different technologies, but with the same purposes to boost the quality of the surgical treatment. I think we leveraging a lot on like 3D print, AIs, and biomechanic design, and we've been working through a lot of surgical care set mainly in maxillofacial surgeries. But later on, we start to ship or added more care set in terms of orthopedics. Okay. Yes. So. Are you on the software side or on the hardware side of of let's say getting implants for for patients? I mean, actually, our expertise like initially is coming from the hardware side, like to design the device that kind of outperform what 
currently used in the market in terms of the strength or like how the bone can integrate into the device. We have the what we call like our patented polar structure, which is like our main recipe that can be integrated into different kind of medical devices. It will give you like the strength that's just suitable for the bone, but as well as give you like the the area for the bone to to grow into. But I mean, once you started the company, like you make the device, like one device, two device, that's good. And then the question comes, how you scale it into 100, how you scale it to 1,000. And I think that's when the software side come into play. So I think just later this year, we start having the division on like how we use the AI to accelerate the planning process or the device design. Okay, so this is for implants for patients. Is it meant for, let's say, rapid turnaround, like for trauma patients? or kind of more planned surgeries or both? I think, I think we put it this way. So usually when you have the people who have the cancer at their lower jaw, there were two needs that they need. The first, they want to get healed from the treatment. I think that part is already get done really perfectly, even without also lab devices. But I think once people get healed, three years later, five years later, they would ask a question if they look different than normal people. There were aesthetic side of the treatment. I think also that like, we try to tackle both the treatment side of the thing and aesthetic side of the thing. The aesthetic, I mean that usually our face has a curvature. Different people have different curvature, but the devices are not meant to be used for different anatomy, different patients. So we try to bring in all this technology so that all the devices were designed based on each patient anatomy. So that not only you get the disease cure, but years later, you are, you are kind of the, 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 your face become normal. Ideally, are these printers going to be in hospitals or kind of pre-planned, kind of off-site and then bringing the parts for the surgery? I, I, I mean, right now in Thailand, we work a lot with hospital. I think this model can be, can be both of them, depending on the volume. Like if you work with the med school, they may have like few hundred cases per year. Maybe it's worthwhile for them to invest in the facility so that they can do things on their own, have a very quick turnaround. But on the other hand, if you look into Thailand as a country, there were like a small city, a small hospital who may have the need of the need to treat the same disease, but may not have enough manpower to operate the big facility. I think we also can also have the, the model when we have the center that they send out the cases, we decide together remotely, make the part and then send back to them. Okay, what material are you printing? Is it titanium or kind of a ceramic or both? Very good question. So if, I think if you do look into the, 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 the lifetime of making a device, it starts off from the raw material, designing and manufacturing. We, our, our expertise lies into the designing and manufacturing part of it. In terms of material right now, we are relying on the medical grade titanium, just like other medical implants. And then the reason that we do that, I think once, I think once you work on medical devices, the regulation become a big part, yes. a big part of your success. So, and then, new material certified. It takes like long time and lots of resources. So we try to start small first by relying on what exists in terms of the material. But in the future, there were a lot of cool research going on how people develop, develop the new material that even have the better performance than the medical grade titanium, which I think something that we will also look into the future. Okay, so you guys are in Thailand now. Are you in any other markets? Uh, I mean, actually our CEO right now, so he living in the US, so right now we have a plan of expanding more into the international market. We try to set up the company there, try to get the collaboration with international hospital and even thinking about getting the, we, we do a lot of seed fundraising in Thailand, which I think we, we done pretty good last year. But I think right now, this year, we, we, 
we target on expanding more of the international partner. So you are here um, in Singapore at the Hello Tomorrow Asia Pacific Summit. Let's say besides money, besides exposure, right. what does your company need? Well, I mean, I think for one company to succeed, you cannot succeed by yourself alone. I think there were the ecosystem that can support you to grow. I I think what I probably what I hope to get back to get Ocelab into such ecosystem that allow us to to grow as as we we hope. Okay. Anything else you want to share with us today? No. I, I mean, this is actually my first the kind of like startup event like of this this size. So I'm very excited and very looking forward to meeting with all the the cool people. Okay, great. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. It is lunchtime at the Hello Tomorrow APEC Summit, and we have uh, Ting Ru Zhang with us today. She's kindly spending her lunchtime with us to talk about 6J Biotechnology, which is a company headquartered in Hong Kong that looks at drugs for the treatment of metastatic cancers. So welcome, Ting Ru. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, my pressure. So let's get into it. Like, tell us more about yourself, your background, and how you got involved with 6J. Okay, so 6J is co-founded by my husband and I. All the research outcome is from my husband's research lab. He is currently a professor at Duke University in Kunshan, China campus, and he has spent more than 20 years in cancer research. And recently, he screened and found two small molecules that can significantly inhibit um, metastasis. And at the same time, also uh, can promote immune uh, response. That means it can also combine the therapy with immunotherapy and actually chemotherapy as well. So, and my background is business side. I got my MBA from Columbia Business School. I'm uh, kind of like uh, entrepreneurs for a few projects. And when I yeah, look at my husband's experiments and find his result, I feel it's good time and it's really a project that with great potential to, to commercialize. So I step in and we formed this company all together. And since then, yeah, we are in the process, yeah, drug development process. Now we are just one step away from securing the IND approval from FDA. Awesome. Yeah, although we had uh, like three years in COVID, really delayed yeah. our process, but st we still managed to uh, do the IND labeling process step by step. Yeah, and then we are now, we'll get our uh, biggest milestone soon. Yeah. Right, that's awesome because you guys uh, were founded in 2018 and then COVID hit. So it's really like a dynamic duo. You're just pushing everything forward and mm -hmm. you're already at the IND enabling step, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about the mechanism of how the drugs work? Okay, that probably should be my, my husband's job to explain it. <laughs> but I can tell you briefly. So like from the metastasis uh, pathway, it's from the primary tum tumor. It, it will, the cancer cell will go through the, the blood vessel and then spread to the uh, distance organ. So before the, it enters into the blood vessel and after it exits from the blood vessel, there's a process called the endotumor trafficking. So in this kind of process, we, our small molecules will block it. 
Yeah, most of the time in before it enter into the blood vessel and after some few every few cell also can still enter and acts from the blood vessel. So we block in this way. So you block both the intravasation mm -hmm. and then the extravasation. Yes. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just so we know, like, what are the name of the names of the compounds? It, we call it the six J one and six J two. Yeah. So you found it by screening like commercially mm -hmm. available libraries or yeah, actually, uh, it's my 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 husband's research lab. They screen from some libraries and yeah, the compound library and they yeah they. Uh, then okay, this so probably uh, commercially yeah. available. Mm -hmm. So any specific cancers you're targeting, or you're looking at like you know solid actually tumors? based on the mechanism, mm -hmm. uh, works for the multiple uh, cancer mm -hmm. types. It's a broader spectrum, right? So both solid and blood cancers as well. Yes. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So both solid and blood cancers. Mm -hmm. So you, I assume you guys have done you know all the talk studies and mm -hmm. whatnot. So are you just going to be focusing on oncology or are you planning to branch out as well? Yeah, currently, actually, we have a rich uh, pipeline to develop, uh, all based on my husband's uh, lab's output. But currently, we focus on these two products. It's all uh, in the uh, oncology field. Right. Yeah, because, uh, you know, uh, for our for startup, uh, funding is tight. Mm -hmm. So we have to focus. But after we brought like this to the... Uh, bring this to a next level and got enough funding, we'll also, yeah, extend our pipeline and start the, the more pipeline development. Right, because yeah. I think I read on your website mm -hmm. something about drugs against uh, positive-stranded SSRI yes, uh, virus uh, protection as well, like uh, for COVID as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, for COVID, mm -hmm. for MERS. Mm -hmm. so, so are you, do you have a platform where you're continuously screening yes, clinical libraries? Yeah, my, my, yeah, yeah, that's from this early stage, uh, you, you know, research stage uh, from uh, still ongoing in my my husband's right, research right. lab. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Awesome. So he continued. He continues providing me the yeah. more output. <laughs> right. Right. It seems like he's bringing the research and yeah, you're doing the yes, commercialization. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. So mm -hmm. I guess for your clinical trials, are you planning to start off with just a basket trial of different like solid yeah. tumors, liquid tumors? Oh, actually, we have to start with like when we submit the IND application. We'll start with breast cancer. Oh, you're starting with breast uh, cancer. Because that's the only animal model available to guarantee 100% metastasis. Wow. Yeah, so we have to try that platform first. And ID application is also, yeah, start with that one. But after like click trial one, when we get more data on different cancer type, we might change our strategy to different cancer type okay. starting in the click trial two. Even, you know, some often, Drug strategy. Yes, often uh, drug strategy. Yes, yeah, because we target to a broader spectrum cancer types. So we can uh, go to a best strategy. Like if it's rare disease, I mean, cancer type strategy, we can go through very quickly for yes. clinical trial two and three. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you get yeah. often drug designation, you mm -hmm. know, it gives yeah. you a lot of like benefits of like marketing exclusivity. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned about common com combination therapy. So are you mm -hmm. going to test both as monotherapy, combining mm -hmm. it with immunotherapy? Yeah. So we already have the preliminary data on the animals, and uh, the data shows the combination therapy output is very significant. Yeah, we tried with uh, Dr. Rubens chemotherapy right, and right. also APD1, 
it's one PD one drug from China. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the significance reduced the tumor size. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, my background is in breast cancer, so yeah. I'm getting pretty excited right now. Yeah. So Dr. Rubicin, that's a standard of care. Are you looking at you know, I assume really late stage breast cancer patients, any specific subtypes? Oh, or just uh, you, all? you know what? Oh, for all stage, early stage, middle stage, and the even late stage of the metastasis, because our based on the mechanism, it just hold or even like a, can be able to prevent the med yeah, because the mechanism you just stop the you know the channel. So so any stage you will stop and maintain the the current one. Yeah. Current metastasis stage. Yeah. Gotcha. So, since you're looking at PD1, PDL1, are you partnering with another pharma company in China? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. Yeah. We just, in the early stage, we just buy mm -hmm. some, you know, product, <laughs> the cheapest one from China, mm -hmm. and then we try it and on the animals. Yeah. The, so, so, on the, on the right, rat. Right. Yeah. Okay, on red. So like moving forward for the clinical trials, are you hoping to like start a partnership with like pharma? Because I assume if you're going to work with immunotherapy. Oh, yes. So, so yeah. probably not uh, the phase one mm -hmm. because phase one is mainly test on the safety. Correct. Uh, on the human beings. So we have the, you know, uh, Tiger Med help us already. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the I mean, biggest CRO in China wow, okay. for the preclinic, like for the ND regulatory agent. Gotcha. And also the... CRO for the clinical trial designs uh, and the implementation. And our all preclinic GLP study, toxicity study is implemented by the Frontage. It's also mm -hmm. the, uh, a public CRO and mm -hmm. headquartered in US. So they are all very professional. Mm -hmm. And so probably for phase one, we have the Tiger Man to help us. It's mm -hmm. in, good enough. But then, yeah, for studying, depends on the strategy. Mm -hmm. Studying in phase two, mm -hmm. the trout, we, yeah, we need uh, to find a big uh, pharmaceutical company to help. Yeah, of course. It's always tough when yes. you get to that pivotal trial. Yeah. You need someone to push it for, yes. for you. Yeah. So you're planning to do your clinical trials in both the U.S. and China? Oh, we'll do, yeah, but we'll do an international multiple sites mm -hmm. strategy. Gotcha. So probably a couple of sites in U.S., a couple of mm -hmm. sites in, in China or even uh, sites in Hong Kong, because we're a Hong Kong-based company. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. So when are these clinical trials going to start? Do you have a ballpark? As soon as possible. Uh, oh, that's really exciting. Time. Where do you see yourself in the next five, ten years? Yes, we've got a drug on the market, right? Yeah. Yes, of course. Like, if we can go often, drug strategy, you probably in three years the drug could be on the market on the mm -hmm. conditional basis. Yeah, mm -hmm. that sounds super exciting. So I guess like, you know, thank you so much for being with us. Do you have anything else you want to share? Oh, yeah, I like uh, Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, uh, how to say, an international city mm -hmm. with multiple cultures. And I feel enthusiasm and passion here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with everybody. So... I think uh, Singapore ha will have a, a bright future. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. We are here at the Hello Tomorrow Asia Pacific um, Investor Day, um, meeting with David Cardoso from Pending AI, first time in Singapore. Uh, first, welcome to Singapore, David. Thank um, you very much. Please give us a bit of introduction to yourself and Pending AI. Yeah, certainly. So yeah, my, my name is Dr. David Cardoso, and I'm the Vice President of business development for Pending AI. So just a little bit about myself personally. So I have a background in drug design development myself. So did a PhD 
focusing on the, the development of novel epilepsy therapeutics. <clears throat> and so that was really my first sort of foray into the pharmaceutical industry. So two of the compounds that I discovered were taken up as pipelines for a spin-out pharmaceutical company sponsored by Takeda in the US. So yeah, that, that experience really got me enamored by the whole pharmaceutical industry. Absolutely fell in love with it. And yeah, just, I guess, pivoted career straight after my PhD. Started to develop all the relevant skill sets around, you know, operations, project management, commercialization, across a whole range of different roles within the medical research ecosystem. But yeah, over time, just found myself gravitating more and more towards earlier stage ventures. And so I found myself being the first business dedicated recruit for Pending AI. And fundamentally, what Pending AI is doing is applying advanced technologies, predominantly artificial intelligence and quantum mechanics, to the drug design and development value chain. So I'm really bringing that pharmaceutical development experience to to the business as well as yeah the business development skill sets so yeah that's all okay. about me so quantum and ai do those work in partnership or kind of different channels different tracks yeah uh yeah it, it's it's a good question so um artificial intelligence is very uh very data driven very uh you know very exploratory you know it's, it's all about being able to explore as many different options for your particular problem to be solved as possible whereas quantum mechanics you know is actually typically the inverse of that it's much more detailed it's like where you're really getting into the nitty-gritty um, of your particular problem uh, that you're looking to, to to solve and so we've found that you know we apply these two technologies at distinct phases of the drug development cycle where exploring chemical space is a positive thing because you want to be able to design and discover new drugs but then in the quantum space for example we apply it to protein structures where you really want the highest quality possible when it comes to your protein structure that you're looking to develop a drug against so it's yeah it's a bit of a, an inverse the ai and qm but they're applied at different and very distinct phases of that drug development pathway. okay so ultimately you're developing like a platform that, that can be used for drug discovery? Is that the, the goal? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. So we, we apply our capabilities across what's known as the design, make, test and analyze cycle. So the very earliest stages of drug design and development, we apply our capabilities to each of those phases. And so we are generating our own drugs out of this. So we are developing our own assets, whether that be in partnership or in-house. But yeah, fundamentally, we are a, a platform proposition. Okay, so you said, I mean, developing your own assets in partnership and in-house. So let's say in-house, do you have any specific focus? Uh, so our focus at the moment is in the oncology space, so okay. the cancer space. But that's not necessarily a strategic decision that we've made and gonna, are going to stick to. It's just we needed to start somewhere, so we decided to focus on oncology. Okay, and how, how old's the company or how big's the company? So the company was incorporated in 20, late 2018, so it's about five years old at the moment. And we're a team of nine people in total, so eight based in Australia and one based in Germany. What's next for you? Like say in the immediate future and then a little bit, a couple of years out. Yeah, so we're actively looking to, to raise our Series A investment round at the moment. So that's a, a big reason why I'm here uh, in Singapore is to, to meet with uh, investors in the deep tech and healthcare space because it's yeah, got quite a world-renowned reputation uh, for investing uh, in, in deep tech companies. And so we want to begin to build those networks and see if there's anything that we can make work here so that's, yeah, so that's quite a core focus of my efforts at the moment, um, but also just generalized, you know, business development activities, like developing new partnerships to go after new targets, develop new drugs and all of that. So that's kind of our focus at the moment is really those two, two aspects. Okay. So with your series A, when you're su successful, what are you going to do with that for <laughs> over the next two years or three years yeah. specifically for your platform and 
partnership development? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's a great question. So from our side of things, closing this Series A uh, investment round is all about being able to expand the team dramatically. So we want to be able to expand from nine to, to 30 uh, people. We feel like the technological basis and the architectural basis of everything that we do is solid. It's sound. It works well. You know, it's high throughput. And so we just really need to be able to raise additional capital to get more people working on more projects. So that's that's one aspect of what we're going to use the funding for. Of course, there's all the corporate operating expenditure that goes around it, you know, like renting office spaces and all that, you know, boring stuff. Um, but I, I guess another, you know, key aspect is international expansion um, as well. So being based in Sydney, Australia, uh, it, it's very difficult to do international business development. You know, I'm up, you know, all night with, you know, meetings in Europe. I'm up until one or two o'clock in the morning with the east coast of Boston. It's, yeah, it, it's untenable. So we really want to be able to, you know, expand our operations and our business development efforts, you know, internationally, both to the US and Europe, because we've already got, you know, quite a strong Asia-Pacific uh, focus at the moment, so. Okay, fantastic. Anything else you, you want to share or plug today? Um, yeah, I guess if there are any investors listening, uh, happy to have a conversation around our Series A investment round, or if you're looking to, you know, if you're in the drug development space and you're looking for, you know, a new advanced technologies that may be able to crack a problem that you're facing, uh, more than happy to, to have a conversation around how we could uh, potentially uh, partner with one another uh, to, to develop the, the next generation of, of pharmaceuticals. So, yeah. Okay, great. The next generation of pharmaceuticals pending AI. Thank you for your time, David. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Are you keen to learn more about Singapore's deep tech ecosystem? One North Stories has more than 20 episodes live, publishing every two weeks. It's impossible to choose a favorite, but try going back to episode two, Sentera. They've been doing amazing things since we recorded the episode, including launching Causterra, a textile technology to remove CO2 from the air. And with that, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help to grow the show by sharing with a friend or colleague. Please also hit like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to look out for future episodes as we explore the intersection of science, technology, and business in Singapore together.